We, as I said before, we're going to be starting a four-week series called Hope is Here. And today, uh, in line with the theme of baby dedications, our first um, message, our first sermon is actually called This Baby Won't Disappoint. And I'm just going to invite Caleb back again to um, prepare. And as we focus a little bit around the manger and the birth of Christ. Thanks, Caleb. That's great. Who was surprised when they came today and they saw the Christmas stuff around here? <laughs> I'm sorry we're still in November. And for those of you real uh, Christmas um, um, fanatics, I know that technically we're not allowed to put things up until December 1st. But uh, we did put some things up because we're starting this little series today. So if you can show us grace and mercy, okay, we're close, we're close to Christmas uh, it was really uh, special to do that uh, for Mark and Lauren this morning and uh, it's just babies are so great and I'm going to pick up that theme a little bit today. I actually thought I'd whack a photo in here of uh, me with some of my babies. I've got four and uh, you know when a baby's born they're, they're, they're a bundle of joy aren't they? So oh, there's our first one. Oh, we got them. I didn't realise we had them all in. and the second one, the third one, the fourth one, there's the second one, the third one. And the fourth one, we can leave it right there. You know, when babies are born, we often call them a bundle of joy like that, right? That's Nova, she's 10 months old now, but that was her in February. Uh, a little bundle of joy, she'd been uh, in the world there for about half an hour. And uh, it's an exciting time when a baby's born. Like, you look at Mark and Lauren up here, they've got the, you know, the nice balanced family now, they've got the two boys and then a the little princess at the end. And there's just so much expectation of good, isn't there, when a baby is born or when a woman is pregnant. We say to a woman when she's pregnant, aren't you expecting? You're expecting a child. And we've, we've been through this four times, you're expecting a child. And when we had Aurora, our first one, who's now, now 10, it's just this uh, incredible expectation that this is going to be amazing. We're now not just a married couple, we're going to be a family, we're going to have a child. Are you, oh, you're expecting a baby. But it's funny when you have the baby, because then it's like, I wasn't expecting a monster. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to never sleep again. Like I've been a parent for 10 years now. I've had a decade without very much sleep, a decade. See, there's rings under my eyes. You weren't expecting to put on 30 kilos, were you? It's, it's full on when you have a baby. Like, it's so good, but then it's got some challenges. You weren't expecting to have a whole new relationship with poops and wheeze and things like nappies. And it's like something you never heard of as a young adult. And all of a sudden, you've got this new relationship with things that come out of people, spew and stuff like that. You know, I was putting, um, talking of kids, I was putting Jed, my little um, boy, my third one, he's four years old, to bed this week. And uh, I was reading him the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm a phenomenal Christian parent doing Bible studies every night because usually he doesn't want to do what we call Jesus stories. He wants to read about dragons and sharks and all kinds of other stuff. So this one night, I got him on Daniel and the lion's den. Finally, a Christian story. I can start teaching him the real stuff. And he was willing to read this book with me. And we went through the story of Daniel in the lion's den. If you know the story, it's basically about, in Jed's language, these naughty men uh, who try and make Daniel pray when he shouldn't pray. Okay, so Daniel prays three times a day. These bad men want to get Daniel, so they make this rule. You can only pray to the king. You can't pray to God anymore. And this was just the perfect parenting discipleship moment that I said to Jedediah, what would you do? 
if you had to pray to God or if there's these naughty men trying to make you pray to the king. And without even one second of authority said, I would pray to the king. No, 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 no. No, like even if people tell us we can't pray to God, you know, we should pray to God no matter what. I would pray to the king and not God. He made it very explicit. I was like, oh my goodness, this expectation of hope and good and children is not turning out so well. So we said our nighttime prayers and, and I said, you know, I did my little prayer, dear Jesus, thank you for Jed and whatever. And then he always does his little prayer every night, you know, dear Jesus, um, thank you. I could, I could literally tell it to you because it's the same every night. I love you. That's what it starts with. Dear Jesus, I love you. He's not very good at L's yet. There's still W's. And he prays his whole little prayer to Jesus. And then at the end, just for good measure, he turns to me and says, that prayer was to the king. <laughs> I'm like, man, you just can't win. It's hopeless. It's hopeless out there. Where do, where do we get our hope from, though? Because if my hope in Jedediah following Jesus is uh, based on him at four, well, well, I don't have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> He's not getting it. But where do we get our hope from? So hope is this expectation that good things are going to happen in the future. Who's feeling full of hope right now as I come out of lockdowns and vaccinations and politics? It's, it's not a great time of hope, is it? Where do we get our hope from, though? Because hope is something that comes from that which we invest in. So that which we look to gives us hope. That which we worship gives us hope. That which we invest in, think about, give our money to, spend our time around gives us hope. A lot of people from my sermon last week, which I know all of you would have listened to and all of you online would have listened to, and if you missed it, you would have listened to the podcast. Okay, great. Everyone did. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's good to know. A lot of people last week said to me, this wasn't very spiritual, but they thought the bit about brunch was funny because I made a bit of a sarcastic comment about brunching your way to heaven and brunching your way to mental health, good mental health and all these kind of things. But a lot of people do, like, put the joke aside, a lot of us do put our hope in, in, in a lifestyle, in a Sunday morning brunch rather than church, in a, uh, going out and having a nice meal at a restaurant and doing all of these lifestyle things. You know, the Bible constantly, time and time again, talks about don't put your hope in money or in wealth or in houses. It's all through the New Testament. Jesus talks about it all the time. Almost every chapter of the New Testament of the Bible has some reference to money or wealth. And don't put your hope in these kind of things. Now, I know you're all probably sitting there going, well, I don't have much money. You are some of the richest people that have ever lived in human history. We live in one of the most comfortable societies, well-educated societies in all of human history. We all challenge, a challenge every day with putting our hope in what we have and the stuff that we have. What do we put our hope in? Is it in a debate? Is it in politics? Is it in a government? Is it in lobbying a government? government? We put our hope in these things for a brighter future. Is it in being alone? Not having to be around other people, getting some quiet time. Sometimes we just think, if I can just go on a holiday, if I can just get on that beach, that is the expectation of good that will fill my soul and get me through another year. But guess what? Holidays and all these kind of things are not sustainable hope. I've got vegan-friendly burgers here in my notes. I don't know how that got in there. But do you put your hope in your diet? Did you put your hope in coffee? Guilty. <laughs> Do you put your hope in beer, whiskey, wine? Do you put your hope in those things? Sales went through the roof last year in the lockdowns of alcohol. Very Australian thing to do. 
put our hope in a good drink. You know, hope is in short supply. We know that in our nation, faith, belief in God, church activity, doing spiritual things, praying, spending time with God is in remission. It's in a rapid decline. You know, Victoria here, as you all know very well, like our hope in, in, in church has been really smashed during the lockdowns. We've missed 50 Sunday mornings to gather together. And even now as we gather, there's many of our church community that only can watch online and there's lots of different challenges there. So even the meeting on a Sunday morning has become something that we've realized. You can't put your hope only in a Sunday morning. I was reading an article this week from the Psychological Association at talking about hope. It's called Mission Impossible. And they f- have found that hopelessness is linked. This isn't going to be surprising, but hopelessness, so having no hope, is linked to greater depression, greater anxiety. It's linked to less positive emotions, less meaning in your life, and less career success. And when they looked at young people and young people's academic performance, so at high school or university, they found that hope was actually a greater indicator of future academic success, future work success. Even more, even more than intelligence, more than personality, more than opportunity, if a young person has hope, hope in their hearts, hope in their family, hope from God, they do better in life. Are you disappointed? Because this is where hope really comes to play. If hope is the expectation of good, then the other side of the coin is disappointed. Disappointment, discouragement, hopelessness. Who's had their expectations disappointed in the last week? (laughs) It's a hopeless existence, this life, isn't it? It's just a constant going from one disappointment to the next. People disappoint us. Our, our partner disappoints us. Our kids disappoint us. It's a constant challenge, isn't it? We have ideals. We have expectations. We have hopes of how things are going to turn out. We think we've set up our budget right. We think we did our relationship right with our partner. We're, you know, We think we got things right at work and we did the right thing with our boss and then it doesn't work out how we thought. It's a great challenge of being a human being to deal with disappointment. And the crazy thing about disappointment is it always, we always think that we're the only ones disappointed. Or our experience of being let down is unique and individual. Nobody else really understands what it's like to be let down in the way I've been let down. It always feels very individual. Yet we all are challenged with it. You might have money. You might have a great marriage. You might have lots of good things going for you. But something is going to let you down. Somewhere trouble is going to come. Maybe you're in a bit of a midlife crisis. I know a lot of Christian young adults are in a quarter-life crisis. And all the older people go, <laughs> single young person in a crisis. But they are. They feel like, you know, they need, they need time off. I'm 23. I've been adulting for four years. I need a break. I need a holiday. <laughs> Stop laughing, you old people out there. It just shows how old you are. Are you disappointed in God? Oh, that just got real. Are you disappointed in the church? Guess what? I'm a pastor. I've been involved in church since I was an adult. I've lived in church all my life, grew up in church, been involved in leadership since I was 18 years of old age. I am disappointed in church. I am disappointed in church people. 
it's disappointing because we all wish it would be better, which is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Isn't this the challenge? The ideal is good. Believe for the best. Have faith. But dealing with the fact that things don't work out how we thought. I get disappointed like you as well. I get disappointed with church people as well. But you've got to separate church people from God. God is not church people and church people are definitely not God. They're different. God is perfect. Church people are hopefully moving towards perfection in Christ. So what I really want to talk to you about today is the fact that Christian hope is different. When we hope as a Christian, we're not hoping in brunch or lifestyle or money or strength or work or our marriage or our kids or anything to bring us good. Christian hope is different. And you know what's great about Christian hope? It cannot disappoint This is a big claim right here. This is an absolute claim. I'm saying to you this morning that if your hope is a Christian hope, a Christian expectation of good, you can actually never be let down. Okay, none of you want to hear it. Fine, sermon over. No, Do do you believe me? Well, I'm going to have to explain it to you, don't I? I'm going to have to convince you. It's different. It cannot disappoint. Let me tell you about it. You know, God understands our disappointment. This is what's so good about God. He knows we've been let down. Injustices have happened. Betrayal has occurred. Even my life, your life, what I thought, what I was going to do, we haven't been able to fulfill our own hopes and dreams. Even the things we can control, we let ourselves down. At the end of the day, probably the biggest disappointment comes from yourself, doesn't it? I know I look into my own heart and think, just not good enough. I just can't do it. I just can't get it together properly. And this is why God understands our disappointment, so he sent hope down. Now I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here, so I encourage you to just follow along with us on the PowerPoint slides. If you, if you want to pull out a Bible or a digital Bible, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks of this series around Christmas is we're going to look at Luke 1, Luke 2, Luke 3, look at the early story of Jesus and him coming to earth and him being born, because it's Christmas time. Who wants to give me a high five? Yes, Christmas is good. Christmas is the season of hope. And for a Christian, every season is a season of hope because of this story. All right, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's a good statement. That'll bring you some hope. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting might this be? I don't know if I'd be worried about the greeting. I'd be worried that there's an angel standing in front of me. But she was worried about the greeting and what kind of greeting it was. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will receive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Is anyone getting the Christmas vibes now? He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. What a promise. How will this be, Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, and we all love this if you've heard the story before, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Jesus is the greatest hope. This is the promise of God. Now it comes to Mary, but it's the promise of God to all of humanity. Now the Elizabeth that's referenced here in the story, you may remember, is Mary's relative. And she was going to have a baby called John the Baptist. And guess what? So if you look on the, the left side here of your image, you can see that the birth promise or prophecy about John the Baptist was foretold by the same angel, Gabriel, the same to Mary, the angel Gabriel, but this is where things begin to get different. Gabriel came to tell John, came to the priest, Zechariah, a man, a priest, a high priest, a married priest in the holy place of the temple in Jerusalem. So Zechariah went into the holy place, which the Jewish priests would do, and the angel Gabriel met him in the most holy place on the face of the earth, uh, face of the earth where God's presence is. And said, John the Baptist will come and he's going to be like one of those Old Testament prophets. Although they didn't call it the Old Testament, it was just their Bible. He's going to come like Moses, like David, like Elijah. We're going to have another prophet for Israel. It's going to be great and mighty and powerful. Awesome. What great news. There couldn't be better news for a parent than a prophet like Elijah or Moses coming from them and their family. But Jesus, this is the crazy thing. This is why Christmas is so powerful because Jesus was an even... No one had heard of a greater hope than a prophet in Israel, God's own man. But isn't this the story of God? Isn't this the style of God? This time, when it's about Jesus, the Son of God coming to earth, God doesn't go to the temple, to the most holy place on the face of the earth. He doesn't even go to a man. He doesn't go to a high priest. He goes to a unknown, nobody, female, young girl, she probably would have been around 14 or 15 years old, a virgin, so she's never, never had a child, never been with a man, and says to this young girl, in the back blocks of Nazareth, far away from Jerusalem, says, you are going to have a baby who's going to be the son of God, and he's not just going to save Israel, he is hope for all of humanity, for all people who live on the face of the earth, young and old, male and female, here today, 2,000 years ago, here today, here for all of eternity. And the promise of this son that would be born to Mary was one that would be so great, he would be called son of the most high. So great that he would be like father, the father would be like David, King David. He would be a king that would reign and rule. But his kingdom wasn't an earthly kingdom that would come to an end at some time because every kingdom and every government eventually falls and stops. Every civilization eventually falls over. This will be different though. This is the son of God and he will be here forever and ever and ever. And anyone could come into this kingdom. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to obey all of all the Jewish type laws. 
You just have to have an open heart to God. You just have to believe in Jesus Christ. And you can come into this kingdom full of hope, a kind of hope, a Christian hope that can never disappoint. This baby, Jesus, will never let you down. Later, Simeon, another priest in the temple, Jesus comes to get dedicated, just like Ariel was dedicated today. And Simeon says of Jesus, when he sees the baby, he says, my eyes have seen God's salvation in the form of a bundle of joy. The expectation of good wasn't just a baby for Mary, but it was salvation for all people. Simeon goes on and says, you have prepared this baby, this child, to be in the sight, to be seen by all nations, a light for the revelation of all people and the glory for your people, Israel. Jesus cannot disappoint you. Jesus is the great hope for all people. And this Christian hope is different. So I want to quickly tell you three things about this Christian hope. First and foremost, it comes down from heaven. Jesus didn't originate here on the earth. God's hope came in the form of a baby, Jesus. This is what Christmas is about. And it came out of heaven. It came from a perfect place. It came from a perfectly moral place. It came from a perfectly just place. It came from a place where expectations don't get let down. Betrayal doesn't occur. There's no tears or pain in heaven. That's where Jesus came from. That's where the Christian hope comes from, which is so, so powerful. This is the incarnation we talk about. Like get your mind around this for a moment. Incarnation, I know it sounds like a fancy theological word, but the incarnation means that God became a human. That means he sweated like you. He struggled like you. He was tempted by evil by you. He worked like you. He had all the human limitations like you. God himself, God who is everything, all powerful, became chose to become restricted in a human body, in time, in space. That's the hope that we have, not a hope that is a textbook hope of God writing in the Bible somewhere that, hey, trust in me, but I'm never going to come down here and get my hands dirty. No, Jesus came down. The Bible, the first thing the Bible says to us is God is with us, Emmanuel. He came down to the earth. He got his God. No other religion like Christianity can say God got his hands dirty. God got down in the trenches with mankind and then showed us a way out of the hopelessness. Christian hope is faith in Jesus' salvation. Faith in Jesus' salvation. So that's where our hope is. Thank God it's not in brunch making me feel better or food or exercise or my job or my status at work or my bank account. Thank God this is what Christian hope looks like. It's faith in that Jesus not only has saved me or wants, if you don't know Jesus today and you're here or you're watching, it's not only that Jesus wants to save you in the sense that when we say saved, we don't mean that you've got a problem and that you need him, although that's totally what we mean, but we really mean that he just wants to have a friendship with you. He wants to know you and we all need saving and guess what? We all put our hope in something to save us. Might be sex, it might be money, it might be a relationship. All of us as humans are worshiping something, looking that this something that we're idolizing will give us some hope, some good feelings, some expectation, will pick us up in the morning, will give us some passion to get out of bed. Christian hope says, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket. I'm going to say that Jesus is going to save me again and again and again. He's going to get me right again and again and again. 
But you know what I love about Christian hope? Because we can put our hope in Jesus to save us again and again and again, Christian hope can also embrace pain. This is the crazy thing about Christianity. Christianity has a great understanding that life is difficult, that pain comes. But it doesn't run from it. It doesn't reject it. It doesn't explain it away by singing Christian songs on a Sunday. No, it says life is hard. I'm disappointed. The Bible is full of statements of disappointment, of huge errors and mistakes and what we call sin. The Bible's full of that stuff. And this is the great story of Jesus. It says, yeah, embrace the pain. People are going to die. People are going to struggle. Things are going to fall apart. But we don't put our hope in those things. Our hope is already in Jesus. So you can embrace the pain, work through the disappointment, and God is with us. Christian hope, thirdly, it looks to Jesus' second coming. This is why Christian hope is so powerful. Because we turn our eyes upwards and forwards and we look to Jesus returning again. Just as hope came initially as a bundle of joy at Christmas time, although it wasn't Christmas time when Jesus came, but we called that Christmas time, Christian hope again looks to the future, looks prophetically to the future, looks, looks to the heavens, looks to God again and says, come back Jesus, come back again. So despite the mire, despite the difficulty, despite the disappointment, despite the struggle of life, despite as a Christian, if you're a Christian, that means you're following Jesus. That means you're wanting to become more like Jesus. That means you want a better friendship with Jesus. And despite all the muck you've got to wade through in order to keep following him, your eyes are set on Jesus returning again. You know when you worship on a Sunday or maybe you pray at home on your own or you read the Bible and something pops out to you and you feel the love of God. You know in your mind, you know in your heart that Jesus is real. You know when you're in a service and we're all worshiping together and you just feel like angels are here and God is here. You feel a supernatural sense of things. Maybe you've been prayed for someone before. There's been a miracle and you've seen God move powerfully. All of that All of the supernatural stuff, all of the God stuff, all of the knowing that God is real stuff, that is the future reality breaking into the now. That is what will be our normal existence as the people of God one day, and you get this foretaste now. You touch it now. See, sometimes we get disappointed in God or disappointed in church or disappointed in the Bible because the good stuff, the powerful stuff, doesn't happen all the time, 24-7. But what we often misunderstand as Christians is the Bible never said it's all going to happen now. Or the minute you say yes to Jesus, your life's just going to magically just, God magic wands it back into perfection. That's the, who, who, who thought that might happen? It didn't happen. I know a lot of us hope that that would happen. It doesn't happen. You believe that God's a God of miracles and you pray for a miracle, it doesn't happen. You can easily become offended at God. But we have to understand as Christians that when we hope in Jesus, we hope for now 100%. But really our hope is that in one day Jesus returns, in one day this kingdom is fully manifested. That's what we're driving towards. That's what we're focusing on. If you focus on the now, you'll always be disappointed. We focus on the future that Jesus is returning. That gives the Christian optimism. So just as I wrap up this morning, my my encouragement for you is what are you going to do about hope? 
And I can make it all Christmassy and say, what are you going to do about hope this Christmas season? But what are you going to do about hope in your life? Hope permanently. Hope beyond this Christmas season. I know I've been pushed to the brink like many of us with lockdowns, with challenges, friends moving away, things going on. Has anyone noticed? The world is on fire. (laughs) I had a friend texting me last night from New York going, what the heck is going on down there? Like we hear stuff on the news here in America and what is really happening? We're making worldwide news as Victorians with what's going on here. My encouragement to you today is to remember that hope is a choice. It's a choice of faith. The Christian is called to handle hope just like Mary handled hope. The angel appeared to her and said, you're going to have a child and here's the great promise. Put your hope in Jesus. His kingdom will never end. And Mary, the young girl, out in the back blocks of Nazareth, didn't know much theology, didn't have much status in the community. What did she respond? How did she respond to the promise of God, the hope of God? Let it be according to your word. Whatever you say, Mr. Angel, coming from heaven, I believe it. That's hope. That's making a choice of faith. We all have a choice. Mary could have sat there and said, oh, skip me. (laughs) Press that button, skip, next. Go to the next 15-year-old girl in Nazareth and give her the son of God. But she said, okay. Do you think she got it, the 15-year-old girl sitting in Nazareth? Oh, yeah, I deal with angels all the time. Yep, God's speaking to me about some huge thing that's going to change the entire course of history. Of course she didn't understand. Of course she didn't see it all. That's not what hope is about. It's not about knowing everything. It's not, not an intellectualism. Hope is an act of faith. It's putting your faith in something. And guess what? You don't put your faith in God and Jesus and whatever. Okay, you'll put it in something. You'll give it to something. You'll trust in something. Most Aussies trust in themselves. When I talk to people about religion, most guys my age, you know, that don't believe in God, that think they're super tough and can run through brick walls, religion to them is, well, I trust in myself. I, you know, I got, I got it. I got it. Here, I can do it. I know it. And that's cool. Okay. But you're putting all your eggs in the basket of you to be strong enough for, for you and for everyone else forever. My experience, it doesn't tend to work out. I'd rather put my hope in something that's perfect, in something that's a kingdom that lasts forever, in something that isn't originating in this earth but came out of heaven that has power. And Mary did the same thing. That is what will fill you with hope. You will be hopeful when you choose to put your hope in God. Hope is not a secret to be found. And it's also not a chance occurrence. Hope isn't something that's really difficult and you've got to get out there and find it. No, God is here. Christmas is here. God is for you. God wants to know you. But it's also not a chance occurrence. I'm not a Christian because I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a Christian because I looked into the Scriptures. I looked into other religions. I've weighed up the truth about the world and I've made a decision about Jesus. It's not by chance. It's not accidental. Hope is a decision that I make that you have to make to orientate your heart, your inner life, your heart, and your lifestyle, your outer life, to God. Despite the disappointment in this world, 
That's the crazy thing about Christian hope. You put your hope in God, you put your hope in the future, you put your hope in the second coming of Christ, but you also embrace it's, things are going to let me down. Jesus chose 12 disciples to follow him, the Bible tells us, and one of them brutally betrayed him and that's why he was crucified. Even Jesus was brutally stabbed in the back by his own disciples. Do you think you're going to have a hard time with some friends? Do you think you're going to have someone in your life group that doesn't like you one day? Of course you are. Do you think you're going to have something go wrong at work? Yes, you are. If the Son of God experienced brutal betrayal, you will have some challenges in this life. Dispense hope this Christmas. That's your job. If you believe in Jesus, not only be full of hope, but give away hope, distribute it, dispense it. Look, we're living in a challenging time. I can't wait till I can stop saying that, but the reality is we're living in a challenging time. Is anyone aware of that? <laughs> it's easy to talk politics. It's easy to talk depression. It's easy to talk my friends do this or that is going on or this has let me down. How easy is it to talk about disappointed expectations? So easy. But the challenge for you, not from me, from God, from the Word of God, is will you be the person who gives hope? Will you be the leader in your family who speaks of good things to come? Will you be the friend that says, hey, let's not have that conversation. It's easy to gossip and whinge and whatever. Let's talk about the future, the good things, our goals for next year, who God is, what God is doing, what our plans are. The next step in my walk with Jesus, how I could give something to somebody else. Let's talk about these kind of things that build hope, that build expectation. That's what the Holy Spirit breathes on. That's what the Holy Spirit comes around. God will never bless your gossip. God will never bless your whinging. God will never bless your disappointment. Doesn't matter how individual you make your pain and feel like it's only you and no one else gets it, God still gets it and won't come to the party. He'll say, grow up. He'll say, let's move forward. Last week, we spoke about the prophetic and how the prophetic, it moves us forward. In what? In encouragement, in building up, in loving others, in building up the church. Who will be the leader of hope? And the challenge is if you're struggling with Jesus or if you don't know Jesus or if you've been in church, but you feel you've walked away from church. It may be you're watching this morning. I have lots of people watching that I don't know who they are. So if you're watching this morning, and you've, you're de-churched. You've walked away from church. Jesus is there. Give him a go. Put your hope in him. He will never disappoint. None of us here are putting our hope in some Christian spirituality. We're putting our hope in a real person that came as a real baby that will not disappoint. Dispense hope this Christmas. Dispense hope this week. Why don't you... I, I want to challenge you as I finish, and then I'll pray for you why don't you, one conversation this week, turn it to a conversation of hope? One person whinging in your ear say, hey, let's talk about the future and the good things of God. One person who feels let down by God, the Bible, the church, whatever, say, hey, I'm not into complaining about God. Let's talk about who he is. Let's talk about the future. Why don't you take one conversation, one situation, one thing at work and turn it around, be a person of hope this week? Why don't you stand up with me? I want to pray for you. Just open up your heart to God this morning. First and foremost, Lord God, we look to you. 
We don't look to this earth, thank goodness. We don't look to natural things or natural situations, thank goodness. Just lift your eyes to heaven this morning. Just orientate your heart towards God this morning. It makes sense that hope is an upward looking thing, a forward looking thing. No one ever got hopeful by looking at the past or looking at their toes or looking at their problems. Lord, and we look to you, Lord God. This sermon sounds great, Lord God. None of us are here not wanting to be full of hope, Lord God. But Lord, there is a reality, Lord God. But you already knew the reality. You sent Jesus in to this messy world, Lord God, on a rescue mission to save people from themselves, to save people from hurting each other, to save people from the incredible disappointment that we all experience. So we open up our heart to you this morning. Just as you're opening up your heart right now, keep your eyes closed. Just let God fill you with hope this morning. Just look at your breathing this morning. Focus on your breathing and just breathe in hope. Pray in hope today. Breathe it into your heart, the hope of God. He cannot disappoint you. His word is always true. He is not a liar. He didn't send Jesus as a joke. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's a true story. In all of human history, Jesus is the most provable person that ever lived in all of ancient history. It's real. God's hope in the bundle of joy, Jesus, in that baby is real. Take it in this morning. Some of you, God is just changing your heart. This is part of the reason we come to church, to let God transform us. Just let disappointment go this morning. So many of us are just holding on to the injustice. You know what it, that turns into? Bitterness. You know, the hardest people to deal with as a pastor is those that are long-term bitter people that hold that betrayal as a chip on their shoulder. It becomes their identity. They can't even see their bitterness because it's so who they are. It'll send you to the grave early. It'll ruin everything that could be good in your life. God is so about forgiveness that the Bible says if you can't forgive, God won't forgive you. That's how serious forgiveness is to God. Forgiveness is the antidote to bitterness. Forgiveness is the power to wash away your hurt, your pain, your disappointment. Just let some things go this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Just let it drop away. Hand it over. You know, God is so big. doesn't matter how big your pain feels, He's bigger. Just give it to Him. I know it sounds crazy, but it is that easy. You just let it go to Him. He carries your burdens. Jesus said, come to me, all who are burdened. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, who are tired. Disappointment, where's us, where's us out? 
people wear us out. So many people are worn out by other people. People suck at times. It's a challenge. Give it over to God. He will never disappoint you. Breathe in hope. Breathe in God this morning. Just open up your hands to Him. Just feel hope come. Like Gabriel came to Mary. Just feel that it's going to get put in your hands. It's going to get put in your heart. like it's getting put in the boot of your car right now you're going to drive out of this place full of hope a Christian hope, a hope in God some of you your priorities are being readjusted you've put hope, you're sitting here going man I actually have put hope in brunch oh my goodness, in some kind of lifestyle in some kind of holiday you'll go on your holiday, you'll come back you'll still be tired and disappointed because unfortunately that stuff goes with you it'll go with you to the beach And it'll come back again. There's nothing more restful than a healthy relationship with Jesus. That's the holiday we need. And just as I finish, just just our disappointment in self. I just want you to look at yourself. You might need to pray this morning and that's fine. You can pray in your heart, pray into your breath. Pray quietly, pray silently. I don't mind, but... God, forgive me. I trust myself way too much. I put hope in my brain. I put hope in my my prayers, thinking that all my praying is going to somehow make me a better person. I've put hope in my, some of us put hope in our own faith, that I'm so spiritual, that God will cease. I'm so spiritual that I'll be okay. That's just the Lord, Lord category. Many said to Jesus, Lord, Lord but they could not enter his kingdom because it's not about the works and the Christian performance. Some of us put our hope in our own strength. I know that's a big problem for me. My hope in my own brain to work it out, my own energy to get me through, my own organizational skills to make things better. God, forgive me. You know what that is? That's just pure pride. It's putting myself before God. It's thinking that I'm better. I'm more competent. I'm stronger than the creator of the universe. Jesus died and rose again. That's the strength of Jesus. He was stronger than death. None of us here are that strong. Just let him heal you of your disappointment in self. You know, many young men get disappointed in their 30s because they get there and they realize, man, this isn't what I thought it would be. Many of us get disappointed in our 40s because, man, I thought I'd be doing this. I thought I'd have this. I thought I'd be going here. I thought I'd be at this level, and we're not. Lord, forgive us. We've put our own expectations on ourselves, crushing expectations. Just forgive yourself this morning. Forgive yourself today. Thank you, Jesus. Hand back over to Pastor Leanne. But look, we always love to pray for people out the front here. We've got some pastors. If you're really struggling to let some disappointment go, really encourage you. Take a step out here. We can pray with you. Not that our prayers are better than yours, but sometimes you just need someone to stand with you just to let go of disappointment. 
It will kill your hope. If you need some help letting go of some disappointment, some hurt, some pain, we're here to help with that this morning. Thank you for joining us and thank you too, Caleb, for just that reminder that, you know, when we place our hope in Christ, it will never disappoint us. And as he said, we would love to pray with you. We would love to have coffee with you and connect with you and get to know you a little bit more. Um, So please, you know, we'd love to see you as well next week. Um, And remember, bring your friends along because they need to have this hope as well. So we'll officially close, but please hang around.